0: Now, as they went on their way, he entered a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to what he was saying. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks, so she came to him and asked, Lord, In the last weeks before I became absent, for a couple of them, for which I want to thank you, uh, Phyllis Whittingham, for being a wonderful—where uh, is Phyllis? There she is—for uh, being a wonderful liturgist as well as Michael, Philip, both of them filling in for myself. And then uh, also thanking Pastor Hawk and, and uh, Pastor Wells, for their messages. But in between, I have began and I am continuing a series uh, throughout the summer of Encounters with Jesus— and we have uh, had a series of them, uh, but we will be coming to an end soon. This week will be uh, one of my last messages on that particular series. Next week, Dorothy is going to bring a message of a lady who, who was so desperate that her only resort was, uh, well, I'll let her tell you, um, and, and yeah, next week. And then we will put it all together in a communion service on Sunday, the 8th of September which is called putting it all together with Jesus. But in the first week that I shared this series, we talked about a lady who went to the well hiding from herself, hiding from her community because of her shame and guilt. But we found that she encountered there the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, and she could not resist the unconditional love that God had offered her through Jesus right there at the well. The second week I shared with you about encounters with Jesus, we spoke about Nicodemus who actually went out to recruit a king for the earthly kingdom of Israel. As they thought that Jesus was a man from God, they rightly knew. But Jesus obviously said, I am not a king for this kingdom, but my kingdom is from heaven. And yet Nicodemus, who sought an earthly king, found found the king of heaven in his heart. Then I shared with you about the weird, crazy, and crazy again, man, because this guy just really does it, of Peter, who dared to step out of the boat into the waters when the waters were stormy, just because he really believed that Jesus had called him. So he became the first real human being who was a water walker. Peter, who was courageous enough to step out of the boat and walk on water. And the week before I left to Montreat, I shared with you the rare little story of this rich young ruler who really was into his own self-righteousness and really was into his own life and controlling and managing by himself in such an expert manner until he found his maker, until he found his Lord. And his Lord asked him to sell everything, give the money to the poor, and follow him. My suggestion was that day that maybe it was this young rich ruler who later, when Jesus was arrested, was the one found, with one disciple. Very rare little story obscure in the Gospel of Mark. They talked about how this young man, who only had a cloak around him, when Jesus was arrested, threw off the cloak and ran away naked. Running away also did Mark when the situation got very difficult with Paul and Galatia. And, Paul and Mark ran away from Paul. And my suggestion was the little hidden story that this rich young ruler who encounters Jesus at an early age, may have actually become or became the first writer of a new literary genre called the gospel because maybe his name was Mark. But today I want to speak to you about two sisters, two sisters who, like every uh, family, have their little sibling rivalry, and like in every family, they are very different. As a young psychologist or student of psychology, we really thought that, that uh, uh, when we encountered the argument of nature versus nurture, exactly, remember that one, which wins, and the older I get, oh doctors, the older I get, nurture influences, but nature has a very heavy imprint in our lives. As we discover that we inherited the diseases of our parents. Are you there? I'm looking at it. But two sisters who love Jesus. Two sisters who one of them. uh, uh, You know you see the experts believe that Martha. Being the older one. May have been the, the widow of this very rich Jewish man. Whose name was Simon. Who actually died of leprosy. How do we know this stuff? How do you think I come up with this stuff? Well, I read commentaries and I read the stories of Mary and Martha throughout all the Gospels. And these two ladies are actually found in all four Gospels. Directly or indirectly, you will find Mary and Martha in, the, in all four Gospels. See, she may have been the, Martha may have been the widow who have inherited this wonderful village or villa right outside of Bethany where Jesus Scripture tells us, accustomed to rest on his way in and out of Jerusalem. So he may have been a very inviting setting against the nice pines and cedars that grow in that region, against the nice hills and fresh winds that came down from the mountain of Haram, which is next to Bethany. And the cool breeze favored that location. And Jesus enjoyed hanging out in there. Actually, many times when Jesus was hiding in prayer, experts believe he was at the house of Martha and Mary. But Martha and Mary, scripture tells us they had a brother. You know who his brother was? Lazarus. Exactly. They had a brother. <coughs> excuse me. And it seemed that all three of them lived in this villa and they shared this villa. However, Mary and Martha like many siblings, tend to be very different from one another. When my two boys, I remember this, and this is a picture uh, that I engraved in my brain, as I realized one Sunday morning I'm beeping the horn, come on, guys, hurry up, we got to go to church. And, and, and the girl was always perfect. Remember, I very seldom talk about her because she's perfect. But the boys were, were and are a challenge. So, so I remember this picture Both of them stepping out due to the pressure. They stepped out in the front porch of our house in Florida. And they both yelled. We're ready. And when I looked from the car. Joseph. Got his little tie on. Got his shirt all tucked in. And it all matched nicely. His shoes matched his belt. His hair was neatly combed. Joseph had it together. But Edwin. Oh Edwin. Edwin was ready, and for Edwin to be ready, his shirt was half tucked out. He had one shoe in his hand, the belt in the other hand, and he's ready. (laughs) His hair hadn't even seen the light of morning yet, to say the least. Uh, But they were ready. And as I saw them both standing in front of that porch while I was inside the car, urging them to rush to go to church, I realized... This is who they are. This is who they really are. And they have been faithful to that caricature ever since. (laughs) It's amazing. But in our text, in the text of Luke that we're in, Mary is described uh, in Scripture as as an excellent homemaker. It was her villa. It was her responsibility to make sure that important guests were taken care well, were were feasted well, were tended well. For example, one of the biggest activities that's done is you would pour water over the feet of your guests as to cleanse their dust from the road so they could come and enjoy and be refreshed. They would wash their hands and eat Even if you were a very loved and welcome guest, you would get a head wash. Yeah. You would get a head and face wash and you felt clean. I had one of my sons, guess which of the two, just washes his face, his hands, and walks out of the bathroom and says, I don't know why it is that I just wash my face and I feel clean all over. (laughs) Which one was it? Yes. (laughs) <laughs> so Martha also is described as, as having uh, have been taken over grief in John 11. You see, her beloved brother was sick. And in John 11, they had sent a message out to Jesus for Jesus to come because you loved us, Lord. We know you're powerful and we want you to come and help us. But Jesus delayed in, in, in coming and we had, that's another message altogether, a great story. But when he comes back, he finds Mary overtaken with grief. And when she hears, when Ma- pardon me, when Martha, Martha, when Martha hears that Jesus is coming, she doesn't wait for him to come close to the villa. She jumps out and runs and meets him in the road and confronts him, but in great pain. Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would have not died. But Martha was also the first person to hear the amazing words, I am the life and the resurrection. She was the first one to hear those words. And they pounded her heart. She was also the first one in her argument with Jesus because she was obviously more out there, more outgoing than Mary. And though she confronted Jesus in her text, she confronts him here in John 11. And she also hears the amazing words, you will see the glory of God. In John chapter 12 and in Matthew, we find Mary taking care of a party that was offered to Jesus. Because Jesus had healed and had raised Lazarus. Did you know that they actually had a party for Jesus after Jesus raised Lazarus? That's chapter 12. In chapter 11, Jesus raises Lazarus. In chapter 12, they have a party for Jesus. And Martha, good old hostess Martha, made sure that everything was prepared, that all the meals were ready, that all the juices and the, and the refreshing waters, as they were called in those days, were ready, that the wine was the best wine, that the lamb was the best lamb of the day, that the greens and the couscous and the babaganoush and the tabbouleh was all fresh for the day. And she made sure that the guests of the party were taken care of and well tended. You see, Martha believed and wanted a Jesus that she could understand. Martha wanted a Jesus that she could understand. My suggestion then is that Mary wanted a Jesus that would understand her. If Martha wanted a Jesus that she could understand, Mary perhaps wanted a Jesus that would understand her. And let me tell you why I say this. You see, Mary, on the other hand, is described uh, uh, as Martha's younger sister and perhaps unmarried sister of both Lazarus and Martha. Mary seemed to be a rebel. When we're reading our text that Mary sat at the feet of Jesus to listen to him speak, naughty, naughty. No, 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 girls don't sit to listen to teachers in those days. No. So she was actually usurping, taking the place of a male, traditionally. Hmm, she had it in her to not really follow the roles of the days. And for her, it was more important to reach this man and listen to this man. Is it because Mary is also described throughout Scripture as being kind of impassionate and kind of imaginative? As she sits and listens to the master, you see, her priority was learning the secrets of Jesus, not just hang around and serving Jesus. In chapter 11, we find the Mary that speaks very little to Jesus as Jesus comes to the tomb. Of her brother Lazarus. And in chapter 11, she does have the exact same cry that her sister Martha had. Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would not have been dead. But that's all she said. And scripture tells us in chapter 11 that Jesus looked at her intently, looked at her heart, looked at her pain, looked at her grief, and Jesus was moved. And that's where we find the shortest verse in the whole Bible. Two words. Jesus wept. It wasn't because Lazarus had died only, but it was because of the state of emotion in which he found Mary. And it was that instant that Jesus was moved because of Mary. So Mary here. Feels understood. By Jesus. And Jesus raucously moves up to the grave. Show me where he's at. And the miracle takes place. Of the resuscitation. You see if Martha wanted a Jesus. They could understand her. And she could serve him. In practical. Certain concrete ways. Mary. One of a Jesus that would understand her, a Jesus that perhaps was more mysterious, a Jesus that perhaps was more uncertain, a Jesus that perhaps was more unexpected. You see, the life of the disciples and every one of our lives needs both, the certainty of life as well as the uncertainty of life. Many of the struggles we experience in our lives is because we cannot live a balanced existence between the certainty of life and the uncertainty of life. And may I suggest that the early church also experienced that when they were filled with the Spirit and powered by the Holy Spirit in chapter 2 of Acts. They also experienced the certainty as they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayers. Things that they could control. Things that they could organize. Things that they structured. Things that they knew the time to go in, the time to go out. Things that were certain. Things that were secure. Things that were given. But the verse doesn't end there in in Acts. It says, all came upon everyone because many wonders And signs were being done by the apostles. So the church of the first century is a church that also lived in the certainty, but also lived in the uncertainty of things that did not know what was going to happen. You see, one of the comments our moderator shared while we were up in the mountain was that our church lives in the extreme of certainty. Security, structure, and organization. And that's needed and that's good. However, when we become unbalanced and we tip the scales to where that is what we live and we confuse our mission as just structure and organization, that's not it. We have an unbalance and he claims that we are a church in a big unbalance where we are great organizers, structuralizers. We are great in committees and coming up with amazing statements that basically say nothing. But yet our congregations are closing and dying because they have confused Christianity and the mission of the church with what is certain. Only. But it's both. Even our lives as human beings, as you and I, as we live our lives as a couple, as grandparents, as parents, there is the, the certainty of bills, right? There is a certainty of, of things that we have to pay to maintain a roof over our house. But the mystery of our relationships, by the way, we call it romance, don't we? And that's the mystery. And as I met a couple this week that had done something different that they had never done in the past or for a long time. Like, we never go to the movie together. I was encouraged when I heard this couple. I met them in the street somewhere. I had not gone, my husband and I had not gone to the movies together for a long time. And they seemed to have been enjoying that time Together. You see, there is a certainty and the regularity of life. But we need to also live and expect the uncertainty, the mysterious, the supernatural aspect of God. Because while the disciples had Jesus, which was very certain and secure with them, we don't. We have the Spirit of God, which He ascended so that the Spirit could descend, so that the Spirit could empower us and be Jesus with us, in us, and through us. But because we don't have the physical Jesus, we make it up in structures. The life of the church requires both word, the written word, and the living word. The word and spirit are both needed. And Mary and Martha showed us that. If Martha relied mostly on the certainty, Mary enjoyed the uncertainty if Martha relied on the security of doing, doing, and doing, which is good, Mary enjoyed the bliss of remaining, listening, and learning. Both are necessary for a healthy spiritual life. Both are necessary for a healthy Christian life. Both are necessary for a healthy church to grow. The certainty and the mystery of God moving amongst us. If it's so certain and measured and, and quantified, eh, it's another corporation, it's another institution. We both need guidance, and we both need the mysterious, the certain, and the romantic. The planned trip that turns into an amazing Experience that changes our lives. We plan our visions, we plan our church, we strategize. But last Sunday, while I was learning that the mission of the church was more important than the rules and regulations, when I came down the mountain, I called the office, I called Yolanda. How's the fort? Monday morning, and she oh, everything's fine, you know, but there was a baptism yesterday. What? <gasps> Did you know that there was a baptism last Sunday here? How many of you know? Very good. How many of you know that that baptism broke every rule in the book of order? <laughs> and you guys are laughing about it? Oh, but you know what? It is precisely, you guys are at it. When I, I, I'm mean. And on Monday night, I arrived, and the, and the worship committee, worship and celebration team was meeting in the gathering room. And I walked in, and, and, and I played a, a little bit, and I said, okay, uh, so is anybody going to tell me what happened here yesterday? And the room got real quiet suddenly. And, and I don't know, but I think a lot of hands were motioning to Pam Jones because she showed up. And Pam Pam comes along the machine and and, and, tells her, are you going to tell me what happened here yesterday? And I'm trying to give a straight face. And she said, well, it was amazing, Pastor. You should have seen this amazing, amazing. And all she kept saying was amazing, amazing, amazing. She was like stuck in amazing, amazing, amazing. And I said, stop, dear. Stop, 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 stop. If what happened here last Sunday, if what happened here yesterday, I told her, and I'm telling all of you now, if what happened here last Sunday had a genesis, had a motivation, had a birth in the love of God for a soul thirsty for God. And if it was moved by that love and moved by the spirit of God, congratulations. We can fix the paper work later on. What none of them knew was that in my ordination exam, that was one of the questions. Almost the exact same scenario, and we know how to fix it. But if God is moving, and the love of God is beginning to touch lives, this is what we're about. Doing the mission of God first. Because as our book of order states, and our Bible claims and asks us to do is that the mission is more important than the structure. There's a balance there, too. And I congratulate you. And this afternoon, we'll fix it up constitutionally. But may I congratulate all of you for allowing the certainty not to stand in the way of the mystery of the moving of God, as God did with Mary and Martha throughout their lives, so it will be with all of us. Let us pray. Dear God, we thank you for your moving and we thank you for you giving us your written word so that we may study. Uh, you don't even ask us to read it, you don't even ask us to study it, you ask us to dig into it. Discern. Go deeper in it so that we may find the essence of your truth. Thank you for allowing us to be your servants. Thank you for teaching us of the certainty of the gospel and yet the mystery of our lives, both of which carry us to your presence, with your presence and of your presence. Thank you, Lord. And for that, we thank you and praise you. Amen. And amen.